Welcome to Random Bible Thoughts with Russ. I'm going to be continuing in John as soon as I can find my cursor. Oh, there it is. We're going to continue in the study of John, chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. But before we get into that, just a reminder that this weekend, May 20th, in Hill City, South Dakota, the Little White Church, we're having our second annual bike blessing. There'll be coffee and donuts in the morning. Registration is from 9 to 10. There'll be the uh, little short service, uh, the blessing basically. Um, then after that, we'll go for a ride from Hill City, South Dakota, up to uh, by Mount Rushmore down into Keystone and then on back around to Hill City and then we will have lunch it's uh, free there is a free will donation for the youth mission trips so there's that uh, but anyways for all of you that have a bike and even if you don't have a bike you just want to come and fellowship come on down that is this weekend Saturday May 20th at the Little White Church in Hill City, South Dakota. All right. We're going to continue on here. This is another one of those truly, truly type verses. John 5, 25 through 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For... As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Truly, truly. And I've taken, what I've done is I've taken the verse, I'm taking bits and pieces of the verse and kind of expanding on what it's saying. And truly, truly, in verse 25, I say to you, as in my last study, Jesus is stating that what I am saying is true. What I am speaking is with the authority of God, the Father. He is speaking on first-hand knowledge. Truly, truly, Jesus uses quite often in the in the book of John is written quite often, truly, truly. Or it could be verily, verily, and I've even seen truly, verily, or verily, truly. Either way, um, it means the same thing. Still in verse 25, an hour is coming and it is now here. This portion of scripture can be a little confusing, especially if you overthink it. And sometimes I have a tendency to overthink things and it just gets more confusing. So let's just keep it simple. Most likely the verbiage is speaking of two different events. A future event and a current event. In John 4.23, the same verbiage is used in John 4 23 it says but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers of will worship the Father in spirit and truth and for the Father is seeking such a person people to worship him the two events are now in a spiritual realm verse 24 future of the physical realm and the future in the physical realm verse 25 through 29 that is that it is a bodily future a bodily uh, and actually I think I'll get to it so yeah I am 
you might say that verse 24 is speaking of a spiritual resurrection. We are dead without Christ. Spiritually, we are dead without Christ. When we come to Christ, we are resurrected. That's the um, um, Romans, and I don't have this written down, so it's in Romans 6, I believe. For you have been crucified with Christ, and we have been raised with Christ. So uh, we are when we die with Christ, spiritually that is, die with Christ, then we are raised with Him. And then it continues to say, how can you continue sin? For sin has no dominion over you or no, um, oh, I can't think of the word I want. But anyways, when we come to Christ, sin has no authority over you. You are dead to sin. Spiritually, you die in that sense. And then you are resurrected, a new creature, a new cre uh, creation, a new um a new man or a new nature, if you will. Uh, let's see. Uh, you might, okay. Verse 24. Oh, here, here we go. In verse 24, this speaks of the same thing. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has eternal life. And I believe this is speaking of those who are spiritually dead, as I mentioned. Right? Verse 25 through 29 speaks of the physically dead, hear his voice, and have done good will live and I will go in more depth than 20 and 29 later so those physically dead when they hear his voice they will rise those who have done good will live and I'll probably repeat myself here but those who have done not good will go to a resurrection to judgment when the dead verse, so verse 25 when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live from Dr. Constable, Jesus continued to describe what believers will experience in the future fully, which they already experience now partially, namely resurrection life. They will experience in the future physically, but they experience it now spiritually, as I just basically stated. Now it's spiritual resurrection, and the future will be a physical resurrection. In the spiritual realm, in Romans 6.13, do not present your bodies to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present your body yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Instruments of righteousness. Jesus' word gives believers spiritual life now, and it will raise the dead in the future. John 5.28-29 do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in the tomb who will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good resurrection life, and those who have done evil to resurrection judgment. Still verse 25. And let's see, is this where it's at? No. I, and later in this study here, I have a new word. Not that it's just a new word, but it's new to me. I've never heard it before, so I go in a little bit of depth of explaining what it is, what the word means. Son of God. In verse 25, it talks about the Son of God. Let's see. Let me back it up here just a little bit so I can quote that correctly. 
when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. So the Son of God, what does this mean, Son of God? I've lost my place now. Okay, from Root of Systematic Theology, and I edit this for Wayne. The title Son of God can sometimes be used to refer to Israel, as in Matthew 2.15, and Matthew 2.15 is actually referencing Hosea 1.11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And Jesus called Jesus out of Egypt when they fled, uh, when Herod was wanting to kill Jesus, because he was being called the king of the Jews, they fled to Egypt. And then after Herod had died, then an angel came to Joseph and said, it's safe, go back. And so called, called his son, Jesus, out of Egypt. Or it can be described as man as created by God. That's in Luke 2, 38. Or to redeem man generally in Romans 8, 14, 19, and 23. There are nevertheless instances in which the phrase Son of God refers to Jesus as the heavenly eternal Son who is equal to God himself. In John 17, 5, he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed him, and the voice of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In 1 Corinthians 15, 28, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, 5 and 8, this is also the same type of thing. This is especially true in John's Gospel, where Jesus is seen as a unique Son from the Father. In John 1, 14 and 18, 34 and 49, who fully reveals the Father, John 8, 19, 14, and 9. As the Son, He is so great that we can trust Him for eternal life, something that could be, could not be said by a created being. John 3, 16, and John 3, 36, and 20, 31. This is also the one who has all authority from the Father to give life. Pronounce eternal judgment and rule over all. That's in John 3, 36, 5, 20 through 22, and 25, 10, 9, 17, excuse me, and 16, 15. As a son, he has been sent by the Father, and therefore he existed before he came into the world. In John 3, 17, 5, 23, and 10, 36. First three verses of Hebrews are emphatic in saying that the Son is the one whom God appointed the heir of all things, though through him all he, also he created the world. Hebrews 1 2. The Son, says the writer, reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp and the exact duplicate of his nature, upholding the universe by his word of power. Jesus is the exact duplicate of the nature of, of, or being of God, making him exactly equal to God in every attribute. Moreover, he continually upholds the universe by his word of power. Sometimes that could be something that could only be done by God. The passage combined, um, I'm not getting 
these passages combine to indicate that the title Son of God, when applied to Christ, strongly affirms his deity as the eternal Son in the Trinity, one equal to the Father in all his attributes. Still in verse 25, those who hear will live. Going back to the earlier part of this verse, that is speaking of the death, dead physical death, those who have died will be resurrected to life. Verse 28 explains this in more detail. 28 speaks of the resurrection of life and resurrection of judgment. And I'll go deeper in that when I study through my study 27 through 29 here, which will be the next study. Uh, verse 26, for the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And again from Dr. Constable. This verse explains why Jesus can do these things. He can do them because he has life resident within himself. He is self-existent, whereas humans must receive their life from him, the source of life. The Father gives the Son life. For the Father, in verse 22 of John 5, Father, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. That's in John 1, 4. <clears throat> that is, the Father delegated to him, just as he delegated judgment to him. The Son can give life to others because the Father gave him the authority to do so. From David Guzik's commentary, he has life in himself, a gift granted by God the Father. Jesus had life in himself, not dependent upon other people or things. None of us has life inherent in ourselves. Our life is derived from our parents and that the fragile environment around us. Jesus claimed that his life was derived from no one. It is inherent and uncreated. Theologians call this quality of self-existence Asceticity, asceticity, yes, A S E I T Y, and recognize that God alone possesses. Now we're going to take a little detour here. Asceticity, what is that? What does that mean? This is from GodQuestion.org. Society of God is his attribute of independent self-existence. God, the uncaused cause, the uncreated creator. He is the source of all things, the one who originated everything who sustains everything that exists. Society of God means that he is the one in whom all things find their source. Existence continues he is the ever-present power that sustains all life. There is no other source of life and no other like him. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Isaiah 46, 9. The ascetity of God. I'm sorry I'm pronouncing that way bad. But anyway, uh, of God is expressed in Exodus 3, 14. When Moses asked the Lord about his name, God replied, I am who I am. God is eternal self-existing, being who 
always was and always will be. The sanity of God is related to his complete independence. God has no need. He is complete in him and of himself and always has been. God did not create man because he was lonely or because he needed to create. He is and always has been complete, self-sufficient in and of himself. God's name, I am, embodies the concept of God's eternal, eternal, eternality and immutability, both of which are linked to his ascetity, God is eternal. That's in Psalms 92. He did not have a beginning. He has always been. He is unchangeable. Malachi 3, 6 and James 1, 17. Always the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, be, he will be what he is forever. All of God's attributes, his love, power, wisdom, etc. are eternal and unchanging. They are always, they are as they have always been and will never be any different. God said he assures us that he that his autonomy is absolute. He alone decides what to do and nothing can ever thwart his purpose to keep his promise. What he promises to do, he will do. What he predicts will come to pass. When God says, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please in Isaiah 46.10, he is emphasizing his ascetity of sovereignty. Jesus Christ, being God in the flesh, shares the ascetity of God with the Father. Jesus claimed that name I am for himself in John 8, 5, 8, and 18, 6. Speaking of Jesus, Paul declares, in him all things were created. Things in heaven and or on earth, visible and invisible, were thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Colossians 1, 16-17 Jesus is not a created being. He came to earth as God in the flesh, and after his resurrection, ascended back into heaven to take his rightful place as creator of the universe. In the Old Testament, God declared to the Israelites that he is the first and the last. It's in Isaiah 46 6b. Jesus made the same declaration about himself in Revelations 1, 17. Because of the ascetity of God, we can depend upon him as the independent one who is able to deliver, protect, and to keep those who trust in him. Those whom God has proposed for salvation will come to Christ and nothing can hinder them. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. John 6:37. If we understand the biblical doctrine of the ascetity of God, we will be kept from error of thinking that God is finite, that He grows weary, or that He will ever be insufficient to meet our needs. Now, be see Psalms 20. Okay, that's the end of that detour. 
as Jesus explained his nature and deity to the religious leaders in this chapter. It is evident that he did not claim deity identity with the Father as one person, but asserted his equality to God the Father and his relationship of love with the Father. Jesus and the Father are not the same, but they are equal, just as John 1 1 states, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word is God. These words of Jesus contradicts two later errors about the nature of the deity of God, the Son. One is sometimes called the Jesus-only doctrine, confusing the Father and the Son, anciently known as Sibylinianism, and held together by held today by groups of like the Oneness Pentecostal. The other is the error that Jesus is not God anciently known as Arianism and is held today by groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Jesus and God are equal in nature. Jesus has authority to give life. He has authority to judge. He is the creator of all things. So I hope that was helpful to you. Uh, any comments, please leave a comment. Give me a like if you would. And subscribe to my YouTube channel or my podcast channel. I do them both at the same time. And uh, next study will be John 27 through 29, and I believe that's what I got to figure. So may you have a wonderful evening, and God bless.